This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. the bells and perhaps the longest theme park ride pitch in existence it's the polar express and this film is lit hello and welcome back to this film is like the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books we've come to it the final episode of the best year ever 2020 it's our christmas special we're talking about the Polar Express this week. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to mention, we talked about it in the last episode, in our Little Women episode, but if you wanted to hear our thoughts on the 2019 version of Little Women, we recorded a two-hour-long bonus patron episode. Uh, you support us, so you head over to patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. Support us for $5 a month or more, and you get access to our bonus content feed, including our Little Women 2019 breakdown uh, we, we really dove into it and compared and contrasted all the things they changed, uh, the the interesting uh, changes and uh, commentary the movie yeah. had. Creative decisions. Creative decisions made. Uh, it's very a fascinating movie, uh, and I thought we had a, a very in, interesting uh, and long conversation about it. So if you want to hear that, go check it out on Patreon. Uh, and any amount you can support us for there is greatly appreciated. Uh, this week, though, we're talking about the Polar Express. We wanted to wish everyone a Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Or if you don't celebrate any, just try to survive until 2021. You got a week left. <laughs> week and a half. You can do it. We believe in you. Uh, we're going to talk about Polar Express. We don't have a um, guess who this week because it's no. a picture book. And I also don't have a lost in adaptation because it's a picture book. <laughs> wasn't confused uh i was confused during the movie but nothing that i thought the <laughs> the book could answer um but we do have the rest of our segments so let's start with our first one let me sum up let me explain no there is too much let me sum up so the polar express by chris van allsberg goes like this on christmas eve a young boy is whisked away to the North Pole aboard the Polar Express train. Santa chooses him to receive the first gift of Christmas, and he asks for a bell from Santa's sleigh, which it turns out that only those who truly believe in Santa Claus can hear. Brian, please tell us what happens in this movie. God. <laughs> so, little boy on Christmas Eve, uh, he's doubting the existence of Santa Claus. Um, he has like a file that he of of proof and and of like it's like his case file on Santa yeah. Claus, uh, and uh, he's doubting that Santa Claus exists. And then the Polar Express shows up on a street and whisks him away to a an hour and a half long uh, thrill park ride that is just nonsense after nonsense, ultimately leading 
to the North Pole. We spend a long time on the train before we get there. There's a hobo on the roof with a hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that's all about necessarily. Ultimately, they end up in the North Pole. Uh, our, our main character, Hero Boy and uh, Hero Girl and some other characters uh, know it all. Um, and they uh, they end up finally getting to to the the center the town square where Santa Claus is. Uh, Hero Boy decides he does in fact believe in Santa Claus. Um, he then is sees Santa Claus who gives him the first gift of Christmas, which is a bell, which he then promptly loses because he's an idiot and forgets that there's a hole in his pocket, which I remember vaguely from the book, I think. Um, and then uh santa's ho ho's hoes out of there and then uh delivers toys the poor kid learns to not be poor or to i don't know um <laughs> hero girl learns to lead people i don't know why that was her character arc and because <laughs> it didn't seem like relevant uh our, and our boy uh, hero boy learns to believe because that's the whole point of the movie um they all go home Hero Boy gets the bell that he lost back as a gift from Santa. The poor kid gets a something. We don't know what it is. Yeah, they box. never show, they us, never what show us what it is. Big box full of something. Uh, and Hero Girl, we don't ever see again. The end. And the message is believe in Santa Claus or God or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's, that's the movie. I kind of hated it. <laughs> Anyways. My, I don't know. I, my reaction to this movie was literally that one Neil deGrasse Tyson gif where he's just like shrugging. I'm like, uh, I don't uh, want uh, that. Yep. Yeah, me too. I, yep. That's a thing that happened to me. All right. I've got some questions. Let's go ahead and find out. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read... So obviously we, you know, we talk about this every time, but with these kids' picture books, very little of what is in the movie is in the book, mm. or very little of much of what is in the movie is not in the book because it's translating a ten-page picture story into an hour and forty-five-minute-long movie. Um, but there were some little details, and I, I have read this book years ago when I was a little yeah. kid. I remember nothing about it other than there was a bell. And like Santa shows up, like I, but I, and there's a train, but I don't remember like any of the details of it. So I had a few questions uh, as we went through the course of the movie. And the first one, because this felt like something, this magical realism felt like something that might have shown up and they may have pulled inspiration from. And when the train shows up in the movie in the beginning, uh, the kid's radiator in his room turns into like a steam engine and like shoots steam and sounds like a train. Or maybe it doesn't sound like a train, but it is the train outside. But it shoots the anyways, that that little imagery and that effect. Is that something that happens in the book? No, that's not something that's in the book. OK, I did think that was a cool like yeah, it was fun visual. I thought it was though. fun, like connecting fun those two things. Yes, it was very loud when the train shows yes. up because I turned the volume up to hear the people talking and then the train showed up yeah. and it almost blew down our windows. It, our... it was like the Polar Express had arrived <laughs> yes. in our living room. <laughs> yeah. To whisk us away. Yeah. Uh, so after they get on the train and they're driving, they're going to the North Pole. Uh, Tom Hanks, the conductor, shows up and says, we're going to the North Pole, idiot. Get on. And the kid gets on. And then as they're pulling, they cross to the wrong side of the tracks, they say. Uh, and there's a, a little poor kid who comes out of a, a sort of a, you know, a rundown house. Uh, and he's not going to get on the train at first because I guess he doesn't believe in Santa. Oh, he doesn't. We find out why later. It's because he's poor and he never gets presents. Yeah. He's like, Santa does not exist for me. 
because he's correct. This movie just is like, nope, shush. Jingly keys, <laughs> shush. Yes, he does. This year he does, I guess. I don't know I what guess. happened the other years. We won't even, we're not even going to address it. Um, but as he, he decides to get on the train and he's running and he eats it. And it was very funny to me, but I wanted to know if that character or anything with him is in the book. <laughs> the poor no, kid. <laughs> that character was added for the movie. So poor kid's not, is are any so Hero Boy is obviously in the movie. Yeah, Hero Girl is there a girl female character. That's no, like, uh, Hero Boy is the only one from. Okay, the book. and No It All's not. No, no, the the other kids are not. Not even like tertiary, like not even like uh, we see them. Well, let me take a look. I'm just wondering if maybe they even took quick. like the look of some of those kids. That's and then entirely they, possible. And then turned them into like full on characters. I would be interested to know just because. Okay. There is a kid with glasses right here. Oh, yeah, that looks like that could be know-it-all. That could be the know-it-all kid. I don't... I mean, there's I just mean, there a, are, there's a whole bunch of kids, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of kids. I don't see any kids that look like the little girl. Nope, there's another shot kids. of kids on the train. Um, nah, still mm. not really anybody that directly... Hold on, was the, was the one in the... Nah. No. Yeah. Okay, so not really. Other than Mr. know-it-all, maybe. There's a kid with glasses who could be that kid. Potentially. Potentially. And maybe the poor kid wouldn't. But nothing distinct. That was like, oh, that's obviously no. that other character. Okay. So I know that none of this happens in the book from my memory. Is on In between leaving to go to the North Pole and arriving in the North Pole, we have a whole series of misadventures uh, where he's at one point he has to he loses a ticket. Mm-hmm. Her, he loses Hero Girl's ticket and then has to she's going to get taken up to the top of the train for some reason or they think thrown off the back of the train but then it turns out they're on the top of the train he climbs up on the top of the train this is where he runs into the hobo none of this right none of this is in the book no none of that's in the no. book okay cool. they just have like a nice fun train ride to the north pole yes that's what i thought because <laughs> i was like i don't remember any of this this is all really weird felt like they were just really making just kind of winging it yeah on like we got to fill an hour and 45. What do we do? We can't just get to the North Pole because then the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, do they just add a whole. And, 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 and I guess my biggest complaint about it is it felt like it feels like very little of it ever matters, matters or adds to like the yeah. arc or point of the characters. No, I don't feel like it does. I mean, like the there's supposed to be ideas like the hobo is supposed to be like the character who's like pushing hero boy's character yeah i think along because he's like a magical ghost hobo ghost hobo um and and i but i don't feel like he ever meaningfully impacts hero boy's arc but i think mm -hmm. he's supposed to i guess we'll get into it more later here and momentarily but (laughs) they get to the north pole uh and all the elves show up there's a whole bunch of nonsense where they're in like the ship the the gift packaging and like yeah all of that is crazy nonsense and we'll talk more about it shortly um but they finally do get to like the part that i remember from the book where it's like the sleigh out with all the elves around Mm -hmm. um and they're like preparing for santa's big journey that night and when when santa shows up in the movie all the elves start waving their arms in the air and chanting singing i guess uh santa claus is coming to town but it's it's very cult-like and terrifying (laughs) and i don't know if maybe that was on purpose but it's terrifying and i don't i obviously it's a 
book. I don't. There's no singing. Well, there could be singing. Is any of that? What? How? How, how does that translate to the book? Um. Well, there are a lot of elves. We see like a big crowd of elves in the book. Okay. Uh, they don't sing that we know of. Okay. And we don't like interact with any of the elves, so I can't really verify their level of creepiness. Okay. Because in the movie, they're kind of creepy. Yeah. Well, some of them they vary so widely. Some of them have like children's faces with yeah. facial hair. Yeah. And then other ones are just like adult face, like adult faces on like elf bodies, and it's all. And they have weird voices. They're doing like, and not only weird voices, they're like vaguely like, uh, like they seem ominous and like yeah, they, they have like a nature about them that is like, they're they're not just like jolly fun elves. They're like, they're like threatening one of the kids at one point uh, with a kid who ends up in the, at the top of the, uh, uh, I, whatever. I think a lot of the characters, like I would say that all of the non-kid characters in this movie have a vague aura of being threatening. Yeah. Yeah. The conductor is yeah. like, he has like this weird energy that is like, he feels like he's going to like, like he feels like he might like pop off and murder somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of them really do. And, and we talked about that a little bit in the prequel. Part of that people talked about, you know, like the sort of uncanny valley of the animation, but yeah. I don't, that's not it. It's not, I mean, they are creepy looking in that regard to some right. extent, but that's not the big thing. The thing, the main thing is that they just have their characterization and the way the characters are played are played with this edge of like menace. Menace. Yeah. And it's very strange. It's, and I, it is. I don't know and why. It's, it's weird because it, it doesn't amount to anything. Yeah. Like it yeah. doesn't mean anything. It's, there's no message of like, oh, oh, that it turns out that these characters, maybe some of them are like, it, they're, they are bad and yeah. like that. I don't even know what the direction would be that they would go with it, but they don't do anything with it other than no, they are just they're they're they just seem menacing and weird, but they're just fine. They're just normal, like cool characters. And I guess they're going for like that same thing you get in some like kids movies of yesteryear of the 80s and stuff where where some of the protagonists like that, that, that your main character or some of the supporting characters that um the main character kids run into mm -hmm. initially appear menacing, but turn out to be good. You know what I mean? Like they're going yeah, for that kind of trope. I, maybe, I think maybe, but it's not played out. No. Yeah. It doesn't play out in any way. And the kids don't seem, I don't know. It's so like, strange. Like if we look at the example of the conductor, he seems menacing and there are definite moments where you think like, oh God, he might like. Yeah. Like, oh, when they're going to throw the girl off the train yeah. for not having a ticket. Like or, he might actually be evil or, or something. something yeah. But then he's like, oh, well, that's no problem. Yeah. But instead of that being like a mini arc or something that the protagonist has to learn from and grow from. It just kind of happens over and over. Yeah. Yeah. It happens with like every character we meet and it never means anything. Yeah. So I'm left like, what, what's the point? Yeah. What are you trying to say to me? It, it does just feel like like trading on the, that trope without using it for anything. Yeah. It's just like, uh, ooh, it's kind of weird and creepy. Oh, this is like for you, the audience. You're a little like not sure, unsure of what to think of this, of these characters and stuff. But then they just nothing happens with it, and they're just yeah. fine. But but we uh, we don't we don't learn anything from it. We don't do anything. Yeah, 
It's very strange. The whole thing is very strange. I really wasn't a big fan of this movie. I, it just felt so empty. <laughs> like, it just felt devoid of... I really, like, maybe three quarters of the way through this movie, I turned to you and I was like, this movie feels like it was made by somebody who understands all of the trappings of a Christmas movie, yeah. but doesn't actually understand what it is that makes them endearing and yeah. lovable. Yeah. This movie feels like it was made by an AI that you like fed Christmas movies into it and really, it spat something out. It really does. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and you, you required that AI to make 80% of it a sales a commercial for like a a ride that was going to open at uh, Warner or um, <laughs> at uh, you know uh, Universal Studios backlot or something. They're like, make sure that it like ninety uh, percent of it is just things that kids will want to do when they come to the park, but also some Christmas stuff. I guess I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. <sighs> All right. This so that this is the whole plot. This is the, the only thematic element of the movie is and it's from my memory is a, an element of the book. But I'm just trying to remember how it plays out is this is the end of the movie. Uh, he can't see Santa Claus. He's trying to see him in the crowd. And this whole time he's been kind of doubting whether or not Santa Claus exists to the point where like um, like the conductors. Somebody calls him a doubter at one point. Oh, that's the hobo, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, there's this whole recurring theme of, like, he doesn't believe in Santa anymore. Um, he's kind of doubting the existence of Santa Claus. And he gets to the big thing, the big uh, Santa, you know, the North Pole at the end. And he still wants to see him. And he can't hear the bells. Like, everybody else can hear these bells because mm-hmm. all the other kids believe in Santa. And they can hear the bells on the reindeer. And I remember vaguely something about not hearing the bell versus hearing it um, in the book. But I don't remember the details. And then he can't. He keeps trying to see Santa through the crowd. He can't see him. And then he just... The bell flies off the the um, the reindeer. One of the bells flies mm-hmm. off the reindeer, and our boy picks it up and he shakes it, and he can't hear it. And then in this moment, he's just like, "I believe." He says out loud, "I believe in Santa Claus," or whatever. And then he can hear the bell ring, and then he sees Santa, and Santa's right there, and then he gets the present of the bell as the first present of Christmas. Seemingly, being that the arc is, he learns to believe. That's the whole arc. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens in the book? And then I want to talk about more about this because this is so strange to me. Uh, so I would say that the movie goes harder on the believing in Santa Claus angle than the book does. So in the book, the kid believes in Santa from the very beginning. Okay. And like he is staying up to try to see Santa Claus because some of his friends are starting to not believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. But he like it specifically says in the book like he knows they're wrong. So he's going to like stay up and see Santa Claus. Okay, so he's So he's, he be- he believes in Santa believes. Claus from the get-go. Um, but he's yeah, he's starting to get to the age where he's he yeah. wants to be sure. And this but then the story then is really kind of about validating that. And the idea with being able to hear the bells doesn't come in until the very end when the like the idea is that the grownups can't hear the bells. Can't hear the bell. Okay. Um. Now the movie, by having the kid be 
a doubter, yeah. as we said, who then learns to believe. I feel like the movie takes the story away from like Christmas magic and the innocence of children to a kind of a somewhat preachy message. I agree. Completely. About like blind faith. Yeah. Which I sure um feel about that however you want to feel yeah. about it. But there's not really an argument for why that's a good that, thing that was, or Yeah. Like, it, it's literally just believe because that's the thing to do. I agree. That was my big point. My big contention with it is that the movie, I, I was like, what's the point of this? His character doesn't go through an arc yeah. where he learns to believe. He just, at he just the end of the movie, decides, decides to start believing. I guess I'll believe because I want to see Santa. But also, the movie, like you said, doesn't present an argument why it's a good thing or why he should, other than if he does... He'll hear the bell and be able to see Santa. It's 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 like the world's worst, like uh, Pascal's wager of like he's he's literally it's just like, well, if you believe you could see Santa and if you don't, you can't see Santa. So I he's like, well, I guess I believe he he literally wills himself into believing, which isn't something I think you are. I think it's arguably arguably not something you can do. I would I, tend to. Agree. I, I don't think you can make yourself believe in something you either do or you don't. Based I think on you however, can tell yourself you believe in something. Right. And you can you but, can you can convince yourself over time, yeah. like through over the course. You can you can do things that. um you know, you can you can try to like turn yourself off to certain evidence or arguments, or or you know that will slowly uh, you can you can kind of convince yourself. I think one way or the other over time by doing certain you know by like I mm-hmm. said by either looking into things or not looking into things. But I don't think you can like the moment he where you just like I okay I believe you it doesn't it's not how belief works. That's not how any of that works. <laughs> and then I think you're right too. The thing that's extra dumb about it. The note you have here is that literally the thing where he's able to believe the whole point, like the conductor says at one point, the conductor has a line about, you know, they say seeing is believing, but sometimes the best things to to believe in are things you can't see or something. He says has some line like that. But then at the end of the movie, the kid believes at a moment when he's literally in Santa, at a moment when he's literally in the North Pole, yeah. surrounded by flying reindeer and elves. Yeah, and- at, at that point, like, I don't know what the movie's thesis is meant to be, because it seems like it wants to deconstruct the idea that seeing is believing. Yeah. But then the kid See? literally goes to the North Pole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like at that point I would also believe yes. I'd be like alright I'm here yeah, I, I'm I don't here, even need to see Santa yeah. it's fine I can see the elves it's great I believe I just watched reindeer fly in here like and there's yeah. thousands of terrifying elves everywhere and I'm in the North Pole yeah man that is the seeing like you're seeing like I it's so strange I I don't I don't I don't get it at all I don't I truly don't I think the message is just like they're like, don't think about it. Like they didn't want anybody to think about it too much because they're yeah. like, it, it does feel a little um, patronizing in that regard. They're like, kids are dumb. Who cares? It's yeah. Santa. It's about believing in Santa. We won't put any effort into making the that message coherent in a way that's satisfying for anybody over the age of like three. <laughs> like it just it it's. I don't know. It feels really. But even then, I don't know. Kids wouldn't get it. There's no message in it that kids can get other than believe in Santa. Which isn't a message. That's right. just like a thing you already tell kids to do as a parent. Yeah. I don't. It's weird. I. Uh. 
I yeah, I I mean ultimately I I I talked about this in the prequel that I knew I was gonna have issues with sort of the moral message of this movie just being like faith, which is basically well at least for him it is. Yeah. But the other messages aren't good either, or at least the one for the poor kid is also terrible, <laughs> which we'll talk more well, about. And every, but everything is just muddled, and there's no clear through lines. Like it to me, it's another point in favor of my AI theory. That, like, we're just, like, feeding ideas into a machine and it's spitting something out that, like, almost works. Yeah. But if you think about it for more than, like, three seconds, yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just, it never presents. And that's the other thing is that, so if you would wanted to make belief the message of your movie, like, b believing in things is good, which I can agree sometimes in some situations that, like, there is there is a message that you could craft where having a belief in something could be a positive thing because obviously nihilism can cause issues. You don't mm -hmm. want, so like if the, if the, if it was like believing in love or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that was uh, because it, and I and believing in love is a weird way to put it, but if that was like the message um, is, is trying to get our character to go on this arc where they, they're able to believe in uh, that love actually does exist because they come from a home that is broken or, 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 mm -hmm. or, or whatever. I don't know. Um, I think one of the things you'd need to present to make that arc satisfying or meaningful in any way is a point in the beginning where this character's lack of belief is somehow detrimental yeah. or bad or causes any sort of issues for them. Yeah. Because it doesn't. No. In the beginning of this movie, like that's, you know what I mean? Like there's no, we're not, he, he, okay, he gets to the end and now he believes but it doesn't seem to improve his life in any meaningful yeah, way like, what is, other than what he can he hear this bell. Exactly. I, and I don't understand. Again, it's just like, what? so what's the arc? What's the message? Just believe and don't think about it. It's a terrible, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Okay, another question I had is the whip. Santa Claus has got his whip and he's going to fly away and... Uh, he's 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 cracking his whip, you know, like Santa Claus does. And in the movie, it's like a neon rainbow <laughs> whip. And I thought that was a very interesting choice because it's not what I would expect yeah. that to look like. <laughs> um, no, the illustrations in the book are all like very muted colors. Okay. Yeah. And then that makes sense. And it, and in general, the movie does, I think, a lot of times capture some not great, not mm -hmm. perfectly from my memory of like the illustrations in the book, but it captures some of that. Like when the mm -hmm. train first shows up yeah. on the street yeah. and some of the wide shots of the elves in the court, you know, mm -hmm. with Santa at the end um, and, and the bell, like shots of the bell in particular and stuff like that. So like elements here and there it captures, but it's like why the, 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 the neon rainbow whip is such a strange choice. Because it doesn't even, I don't even get why you would make it that. Maybe they didn't want it to look like a real whip. Oh, they thought it was too, like, like it's like, ah, oh, is that... But it doesn't change the action of what... No, I guess it doesn't, you're, you're, it you're, doesn't change the action. And even Santa already has an aura of menace, so you yeah. might as well give him a real whip at that, that is point. interesting, though, that maybe they literally did it, and it was just like a black whip at first, yeah. like a normal, like, leather-looking whip, and they were like, well, we don't want it to look like he's whipping the animals, because that, you know, uh, yeah. so we'll make it rainbow. That, that To me, that's the most, like, brain-dead, like, ah, we don't know what to do. Uh, it's a rainbow whip. Uh, that'll make it not <laughs> not weird, right? Like, sure. It's like, just don't give him a whip. 
Yeah. Well, but, but that's the thing is I think they already animated it. And then at uh, some point, maybe they... The, they, the, like, tested it or they something. They tested it yeah. or something. And crowds were like, I don't like when he was whipping those reindeer. And they're like, what do we do? Uh, <laughs> make it a rainbow. Make it rainbow colored. That's easy. We can do that without, like, redoing all the animation. We just got to change, you know, the color Ooh, of the whip. That's not, I bet that's what it was. I almost guarantee that's what it was. Because <laughs> it makes no sense otherwise. <laughs> But it also doesn't make it better. No, he's still it's whipping. still a whip. He doesn't hit. He never even hits the reindeer with it. But like, it's still a whip. It's still doing the exact same thing, except now it's weird because it's like a rainbow neon. I, I, uh, it's so strange. I don't know. Uh, and then the final thing we talked about this, but he, the, the conductor, is a final question I had. Um, when they get when they get on the train, he hole punches like random letters on their tickets. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, when they are getting back on the train after the North Pole, he punches the rest of the letters to complete a word on their ticket. And they yeah. each have like a message for them. Um, and our main characters is believe uh, the girls is lead and the poor kids is rely on count on and something on yeah. something like that. Um is that is that I don't think that's from the book. From no, memory. that's not from the book. Uh, and what's the deal with the poor kids message? I did not get that one. <laughs> I think maybe the idea is him learning that he doesn't have to depend solely on himself. Which, sure, sure, but also, but also this kid has had to rely yeah. on himself, and like I, I mean, I guess there's some. I have so many issues with his storyline in general because it's just... Like, there's merit to that idea, but also, like, at the end, he just goes back home and is by himself again. Yeah. Like, because the other kids don't live near him. Yeah. 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 You would think that... Because he just goes home and he ends up alone, but he has a present now. Yeah. And, yeah, you would think that maybe the, the, the way it should have ended with his characters, he ends up, like spending christmas at one of the other kids house or something i don't know because yeah i i, I felt like his whole storyline was really weird too because he's like a poor kid and he doesn't believe in santa we see him sing this song about how christmas always sucks for him because he doesn't get yeah. any presents because he's poor and the movie literally is just like Shh, nope right the movie introduces that idea yeah which i was excited about at first yeah. i was like okay I'm this is some class consciousness in our christmas idea. story yeah there's class consciousness here we're broaching the idea that christmas doesn't look the same for poor kids yeah. as it does for rich kids yeah but then they do nothing they with do it. nothing with it they literally just magic now you got presents merry christmas <laughs> he got a present you got a present got merry a present. christmas now everything's fine. Everything's fine. Your life definitely won't go back to being terrible right after this. Poverty oh, is defin- solved, you Poverty guys. is solved because you got one present for Christmas this one time because of magic? Come on, man. It's so bad. It's such a... It, yeah, again, it just doesn't do anything with this, like, really interesting, of like, yeah. uh, compelling st- story point, narrative uh, point they bring up. They're just like, well, that's depressing. We don't want to actually deal with that. He gets a present. Everybody's happy. The end. Classism solved. Ugh. Kind of hated this movie. Alrighty then. Let's go ahead and talk about what Katie thought was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. The conductor in the book is less creepy. He does not have an aura of menace, <laughs> yeah. so I liked that better. 
I didn't care for any of the manufactured drama in the middle of this oh, the, movie. The ticket with like stuff. the ticket and like it didn't make sense because like why like they go and the conductor and the girl go into the other cart to talk to the poor boy. Yeah. And then Hero Boy sees her ticket. And he's like, I got to give this to her right now. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, there was no reason for him to think, like, just hang on to it, man. And when she comes back, be like, here's Here's your your ticket. ticket. I didn't want you to lose it. Yeah. But there's no, there's no, like, reason presented for him to think that (laughs) he he should have to cross the cars to give it to her right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only reason. The only reason that the movie could possibly present for that is that kids make dumb decisions sometimes. Which sure, sure, but like also that's a lazy reason. Yeah, and it makes no sense. Yeah, and yeah, and then and then and then he gets it back, and then it gets it's lost again. Yeah, and then they and then they think that they're the conductors. I guess the, again because of the air of menace they've created around this conductor, the yeah. kids think he's gonna he's throw gonna the girl throw her off, off the, the train. train so he has to go chase him down and stop is he gonna stop the conductor somehow i, I guess know. and then and then and then they're on the roof of the train for some reason yeah he gets up on the roof of the train and does, doesn't get blown right off which i feel like that's eh. what would maybe yeah happen probably he's a little kid but the thing that's weird to me is that so the conductor took the girl up there and they walk to the front of the train so that she can go sit in the in the engine, engine room, room, because he thinks she doesn't have a ticket. ticket? Is he's exploiting child labor? I don't know. I... And I'm like, <laughs> he he gives them the tickets. Yes, they didn't have them to so, begin with. So he knows that she would have one because yeah. he makes them all appear. Yeah. What are the rules of this and universe? Again, and again, it's all like, oh, he's like this omniscient, like. You know, he's, yeah. he's making this all happen for this journey to play out for this kid. But again, the journey doesn't teach the kid anything from that, that I yeah. could parse that made any sense. Like it, like the idea would be that even though none, maybe none of this makes sense, is that the conductor's doing this for a reason, right? To have this kid do this journey and and talk to the hobo and do all these things. And again, it's all just to get him to believe in Santa. But what does any of it have to do with him believing in Santa? Nothing. I don't, Nothing. I don't know. No, um, no. My next two notes say, why is there a hobo on top of the train? I do not like this hobo. <laughs> the hobo is not in the book. No. Um, I really can't even quite describe. I just didn't like the hobo. I just, I didn't understand the point of his character I didn't like his additional aura of menace. Yeah. I didn't know what he was for or why he was there. He was there again. He was there to teach our main character, uh, like kind of push him in the right direction and try to teach him some whatever. Like, I think is the idea yeah. like he. I think, but it doesn't. But it doesn't yeah. pan out. No, not really. He just kind of disappears after a while. He just he's yeah. like, good job. You believe in sanity. And he fades into snowflakes and blows away. And I, I was like, well, and then I was like, oh, is he going to end up being Santa? But it doesn't seem like it. Like, no. is, you know, like, is he like incognito Santa? 
Which that would have been interesting. Right. But it doesn't look but anything doesn't, like Santa. No, it doesn't later. seem like he is. I mean, it is Tom Hanks. Both of them are. But they Everybody's look. Everybody's com- Tom Hanks. Yes, everybody's Tom Hanks. But they look completely different. Like, it, it, yeah. it doesn't. You're not like, oh, that was Santa, like, right. in disguise. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not what it was. It was just, like, he's, I don't he's know. the the creepy hobo made of snow. Who? Is he Jack Frost? I may, maybe. I, <laughs> I don't, don't know. know. I didn't lie. It didn't make any sense. I didn't like it. Uh, and then when we get to the front of the train. Oh, my gosh. We meet the two engineers <sighs> who contrasted with all of the other characters who have an aura of menace, as we've said. The engineers are like over the top cartoony, like way, so way obnoxious. over the top. And just, yeah, just super obnoxious. And, like, the scenes with them were, like, really, like, drawn out. Oh, I, the movie made me want to turn it off during their scenes <laughs> because they're so loud yes. and obnoxious to the point where I was like, even kids, I think, would find this not enjoyable. Like, it, it was just, like, noise for noise's sake with them. Yeah. And I was like, I hate, I hate this. I kind of hate this. Um, and I, I mean, luckily they're only on screen for about 10 minutes, but it feels like an eternity, maybe <laughs> feels like an eternity. And yeah, they're scream, they're like yelling yeah, constantly they're like and banging screeching things and fighting and... each other. And then there's the whole scene with the caribou and the beard where he's like screaming at the caribou. And it's, it's all it. that whole sequence. It. Was in I I it, it's giving me a headache. Like I was like yeah. I can't. If the movie keeps doing this, I can't do it. This is terrible. <laughs> and luckily, it gets a little bit you know less obnoxious after that. But that yeah, all of that was so bad. Ugh. Um. So then we go through a car on the train that is full of old toys, old broken, dilapidated toys, and a bunch of really creepy puppets yeah which first off i don't like puppets so that was like an automatic no for me any kind of like puppet marionette especially like ventriloquist dummies it's a no for me yeah but then the movie also introduces this idea that's like mildly interesting that like they gather up toys that have been discarded and like rehabilitate them so they can be reused but then we don't do anything never again seen never again mentioned they walk through that car one time and they say that sentence and then we never hear from any of that ever again and i'm like what what I had forgotten until just now that when yeah. you said that, that which, we don't which, see which anything. Again, it, that's like a mildly interesting idea. Yeah. Like, tell me that story. Yeah. Or do anything with it. Do, 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 a, do a thing. Do a thing with it. Uh, yeah, you're right. They don't do anything. Yeah. They, they yeah. say that. And then it ne- leaves, it's literally and then it never, never mentioned again. Oh, this movie's so bad. Four stars out of four by Roger Ebert. That man had no idea what a good movie was. He was just I really, winging it. I think, he was winging it. I think it. this confirms your theory he about Ebert. He was Ebert. winging it. He was a full just like, I don't know. Like he just went in and like spun a little dial and whatever number <laughs> landed on, he would write a review that reflected that score. Like there's just no way that this is a four out of four star movie. It's in, it's wild. It makes no sense. That makes me think of uh, he could have been doing like I had this professor in school who used to joke that he would stand at the top of his stairs and toss essays 
down the stairs and the ones that landed at the top got A's and yeah. like so on and down forth. Maybe he was doing something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or like maybe he I, truly maybe he thought it was like a it was an exercise in like it, it was like a writing exercise. Like he would spin a wheel that would give the movie a random amount of stars and then he would have, he would to, have to. He would, would have to craft a craft review, a review about the movie that, that wasn't obviously lying, <laughs> but that supported, you know, it's like when you're in debate club and they yeah. make you support those positions you don't really hold and stuff. You still got to argue like maybe that's what he was doing his whole career it was just <laughs> give me a random amount of stars and now i gotta write a review for this movie that it reflects that amount of stars it's the only thing that makes any sense he ugh, yeah or maybe he did that thing that some people do where they're like well i don't get it so therefore <laughs> it must be really smart and good no i don't think so <laughs> i don't think that's what he was doing I just think maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I like the writing brilliant. exercise yeah, idea. I, don't know I like if he that. Just wasn't that brilliant of a reviewer, maybe. So uh, after they're at the North Pole, um, the four main kids. Well, it's the three main kids because they haven't caught up with the know-it-all glasses yeah. kid yet. Um, they have gotten separated from the main group and are trying to find their way back to the center of the town. Um, hijinks. And they spy on this massive elf surveillance system. Yeah. With all of these like TV screens and uh, they're like the the whole naughty or nice thing. Yeah. And and uh, one thing about this that really weirded me out was all the TV screens are playing videos of real real video of kids. It's not was anim- it? Yes, it's not oh. animations. It's real footage. Oh, I didn't even notice that of kids as opposed oh, to like yeah, animations. Creepy. And I thought that was such a weird choice. And the only reason that made any sense is that it must have been a this is way easier and yeah. less time consuming yeah. to do than it would be to try to animate. Yeah, a hundred little. You know what I mean? That was the only thing that made any sense to me because. I was like, I oh, that's weird. It's the only thing in the movie that's real, or at least the only thing that's obviously real. <laughs> like, and it's these shots of these kids sleeping, and I was like, what? It's okay. Don't like that. And the the whole scene is just kind of creepy, and the elves are already kind of creepy, yeah. and like they have that same like aura of menace that we mentioned yeah. earlier, and they're. At least one of them in this scene has a very clear, like, Brooklyn Jewish accent. Yeah. And it may have and just I, been the actor who was playing that character. Maybe. Maybe. But it does, it it, does read... It reads... Weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I find that, like, potentially problematic. Yeah. Oh, a, a, a cabal of long-nosed uh, creatures staring at screens uh, behind the scenes pulling levers. Yeah. And one of them has a Brooklyn Jewish accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little ups- That's a little problematic, I think that's safe to say. Potentially. Maybe. <laughs> uh, and then the scene where they all sang Santa Claus is coming to town. Yep. Didn't like that. Thanks. I hate it. It was super creepy. And then they like <laughs> slow it down. Well, it goes into slow-mo it when the bell starts falling. And it, it gets goes, even creepier. <laughs> yeah. It's very terrifying. It, it really, and it's so funny because, you know, the movie they talked about, we talked about in, um, in the prequel about how people, reviewers and stuff talking about how creepy it was. And I assumed that was all to do with just like, like the way the, the animation looking looked. kind of strange yeah. but that's not 
all it is. That was just... like the least of my concerns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are movie. some, I mean, there are definitely some, uh, in, in particular, I had a note about the, the, the hot chocolate dancer yeah. guys when they come out and start doing their song and dance, they're doing like a big song and dance number. But if you look, all of their faces are like, rot like they're just <laughs> solid not moving not smiling not they're just like they're like a mask but they're yeah. doing all this crazy like big ballroom dancing like you know big uh like 40s like movie big uh number stuff dancing on tables but they're all they don't emote at all with their <laughs> face and it's terrifying yeah. it's so like, there terrifying. are there are definitely some like creepy moments like uncanny valley moments in this but it was truly the least of my concerns <laughs> yeah and i am glad that i never saw this movie as a child yeah i mean i was in middle school when it came out right. but i i really think this would have scared me <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about what you thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I do have a couple things here, All right. uh, despite the obvious trajectory of this review. I liked that his sister and his parents have a couple beats at the beginning to like set up what his home is like yeah. um, and kind of the background for our main character. Um, I liked the idea that the Polar Express arrives for him because he's starting to not believe in Santa. I don't like where it ends up and like the overall messaging by the end, but I think that is an interesting and relevant hook for yeah. a kid's movie. It, yeah, it, but it's also weird that, that that's the. It seems that I guess it has a different reason for why each kid gets picked up. Yeah, because most of the kids don't have a problem. No, they all believe in Santa. In Santa. And and like that's because like that's what his ticket says at the end. I guess yeah. they all have like it's. I guess it just finds just, kids. That it finds need, kids that need character arcs. Yeah, and then doesn't give them any. <laughs> Great job. Merry movie. Christmas. <laughs> I liked that the ticket appeared in his pocket. I thought that was sufficiently whimsical. I also liked that the movie plants there being a hole in his pocket because that's important later. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the part where the train was like sliding around on the frozen lake was kind of interesting. I thought there were some interesting stakes to that. Um, Maybe the most interesting part of the whole movie that doesn't go anywhere. It, it was cool. I mean, it was cool a fun looking. sequence. It would have been more fun if it was like the main one of those sequences. Yeah, it's just so I agree. many other ones. Like we get like the whole like it's it's a roller coaster every five minutes. And no, so yeah, it's, it's definitely less. There's all of the roller coaster sequences. Um, but I thought this one was like the most yeah. interesting action yeah, beat for sure. Yeah, if it hadn't been like I said, it only I, it was just sort of cheapened by all the rest of them. Yeah, to the point where I was just like, I don't care. Like at this point, like I was like, whatever. But but it was interesting, like driving on the ice and then like where the ice breaks and they fall on the tracks and fight. Like yeah, it's cool. It, it's it's a fun, fantastical like yeah. action sequence. And I I I thought it had cool moments and elements to it. Um, yeah, I just it was I just did I I found myself not caring, but I it was neat. <laughs> Uh, and I also thought the reindeer were cute. I like how they're flying when they come out, but it kind of looks like wobbly baby deer trying to walk. Yeah. They're like wobbling through the air. I thought that was yeah. cute. Mm -hmm. 
And those are the things that I liked about the movie. There you go. Let's go ahead and see what the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, the movie nailed um, our protagonist, uh, starting out with our protagonist waiting for Santa Claus and trying to um, hear if he's arriving. Um, the train showing up and just like being in the middle of the street, yeah. which is like a cool kind of surreal image. Mm -hmm. uh, the conductor yelling, why to the North Pole, of course. Yeah. Uh, they do serve hot chocolate in the book and the waiters, we saw them earlier while I was slipping through. They look pretty similar. They look similar, yeah, but no song and dance. No song and dance. Uh, there are a couple tableaus that the movie managed to squeeze in, like the wolves running through the woods, uh, the shot of the train like winding up a mountain, and then like the lit up bridge that it takes to actually get to the North Pole. Mm -hmm. uh, when they first pull into the North Pole, we can't see any elves at first, and then we see them as we get into the center. Um, and the conductor tells them that Santa Claus will choose one of the kids to receive the first gift of Christmas. And our protagonist is chosen, and he asks for a bell from the sleigh, which he then promptly loses. <laughs> yep. Uh, the conductor shouting Merry Christmas as the train pulls away. And I included that because it was like a very specific detail yeah. of like not hearing him at first. And yeah. then he like cups his hands and shouts Merry louder. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, the hero gets the bell back in the end for Chris on Christmas morning, but his parents cannot hear it. And then the little voiceover monologue at the end is like yeah. word for word directly I, I from the book. I remember that sounded familiar when yeah. he does his little, you know, all my friends uh, over um, the years, everybody stopped hearing the bell. Yeah. And all my friends, you know, except for me or whatever. Um, yeah, I remember that. So, yeah. Cool. All right, we've got a few odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. I'm going to talk about this kid's Santa file. <laughs> yeah, he does have a, a really cool Santa file. He's like the OG true crime podcaster. He's got, like, all his evidence stacked yeah. up. He's doing yeah. research on the North Pole. Yeah, if he had been, uh, uh, <laughs> if his character had been, uh, the, if it had been the hero girl who had that file, it would have been, like, the origin story for, uh, what's her name? The serial podcaster. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Sarah something? I can't remember. It's been forever since I listed the serial. But, yeah, <laughs> there it is true. We talked about the dancing during the hot chocolate scene, mm -hmm. but I got to talk about Tom Hanks just yelling the words hot chocolate over <laughs> the top of big band music is it's it's a choice. I don't it's not. It just, it's again, it's one of those things that made me it's just I found it so grating and like not fun. Like the the, the number was fun, like kind of. But like Tom Hanks just like he's not even singing. He's just mm -hmm. yelling hot chocolate like over the top <laughs> of this thing over and over in different ways. And I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I don't like it. They also made them all drink their hot chocolate really fast. Yeah. And if like, you, you have to drink it right during now, this number. During the number. And if you don't, we take it away. Because <laughs> the girl has to hide She's, away. Yeah, she has to hide hot chocolate to take to the poor kid who won't join them all in the car for some reason. Because he won't rely on people. Because that's what relying on people means, is being in their vicinity. I, I don't. <laughs> again, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Can we talk more about the roller coaster 
Oh my goodness. It's uh, half my notes. It's half my notes. How many did we count? Uh, I believe f- at least five. At least five separate distinct sequences where we go into like a ride yeah. sequence. Yes. And get like first person perspective yeah. like. And it, which if this was presented as like a 3D movie, maybe that well, could be fun. I, I looked I don't it up and this was released in IMAX 3D. OK, I went back and checked. So that could work, I guess. If and they I, did yeah, it for that reason. I feel like maybe they were trying to capitalize on that. But I also feel like still like out of all of the things that they could have done yeah. for 3D, they went with five very similar. Yeah, they're all sequences. the same. It's just a roller coaster. It's just five different yeah. roller coasters. Like it's like, yeah, the first one is just the train on the tracks. And then the second one is the train on the tracks doing something different. Oh, and then it's them on skis for a while. They're on skis for a while. And then we get when we get into the North Pole, we're like going down a slide. Oh, yeah. Before that, they're in that one car that breaks off and it's going around. It's like sliding through the city. Yeah. uh, All different places. And then, yeah, then they get into the packaging, like the gift packaging place. And then they're literally sliding down slides. Oh, there's the part with the air pneumatic tube thing, like at the bank that they get in that shoots them around. And that's a whole other ride. And it's it was just nonstop. It was nonstop. (laughs) And I, all would, the same I thing. would honestly love to know if they were hoping to transition this into like a Universal Studios ride or something like was that the part at least part of the thought process of like we want to make this a ride. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It could be because now that we know it was IMAX 3D, it could have just been we want to make this a fun IMAX yeah. 3D movie. That could have been the whole idea behind it, as opposed to like, let's make it a ride. Um, they did. I did look up and there was a ride for a while at like SeaWorld or something that somehow I don't know. That's it, random. It was it. Well, it took over an old ride that was it, it, it filled in for a while at like a SeaWorld or something uh-huh. like that as a as a, in a like an experience. Uh, but for like a few years, but it didn't sound like, you know, it didn't seem like it was like, Oh, we're definitely like, yeah, it, it just kind of seemed like uh, it showed up as like years after the movie came out, like in 2007 or 2008 hmm. or something. It, it showed up as a ride at SeaWorld or something like that. Anyway, so I I don't know how much they were banking on it being a ride. It could and in retrospect just have been like, oh, let's really like lean into yeah. the 3D IMAX. You know, though, the other criticism that I would give to that is that you, I feel like the 3D aspect of your film shouldn't be to the detriment of just seeing it like a normal film absolutely and i feel like this was to the detriment absolutely yeah yeah you could cut half of those scenes uh, or at least cut them down significantly uh, for the normal release because it's just it would get because you do get so many of those like first person perspective views Mm -hmm. which work really well in like a 3d imax environment Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it does nothing for you you we were just like like just sitting on our couch and I was like, like by the third one, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> they just keep coming. Yeah. So it was, uh, I'm not a fan. I was, when the little kid, uh, the little poor kid gets on the train and sits in the very last car, <laughs> I was like, all right, I need this little poor kid to murder his way through the bourgeoisie to the front of the train. <laughs> I need that to happen right now. I need this movie to turn into Snowpiercer. Or Snowpiercer crossover. Yes, that'd be incredible. I mentioned this earlier, but I really, I would like to know what the rules of this universe are, because it seemed very, like, flimsy. There are no rules. Like, the train needs tracks 
when they're on their way to the North Pole because it was a problem that, like, the caribou were on the tracks and yeah. then it was a problem that the tracks were under the ice. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't need tracks while it's picking kids up. It can just, like, go Dry wherever through neighborhoods. Yeah. What are the rules? Yeah, no rules there. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right. It does become a big thing where it's like, oh, the tracks yeah. are gone. We're skidding out everywhere. Well, we didn't oh, need no. tracks earlier. No. We just drove down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It truly, we talked about it, but it truly did feel to me like this movie was scientifically engineered to be as annoying as possible. That whole sequence, and I wrote, I know I wrote this down during that whole sequence with the the uh, the engineers yeah. and stuff. I was just like, I, I literally, I got very close to being like, can we just not watch this movie? Can we, I don't, <laughs> I know it's too late to pull out on this, but I am not having a good time right now. Like, I was really not enjoying. Yeah, it. we both kind of had a bad time. Watching this, I mean, it started okay. I was like, all right, it's fine. It started okay, and then it got a little bit worse, and then got real bad for a while, and then it ended like, uh, and then and I just didn't like the ending and the message. But like, at least it wasn't like intentionally obnoxious by at the end of it. I was, I was so relieved when we got back to his house. Yeah, I was like, oh, thank God, we're off the train. (laughs) I also, uh, this is going to be my last note here, but I just want to point out that the poor kid looks like the youngest brother from Malcolm in the Middle. It is Dewey. It's Dewey. There's no way it's not Dewey. I mean, I know it's not because he's too old. That actor would have been too old to play this character at this time, I believe, but it's definitely just looks (laughs) like Dewey. It's really wild. Uh, There's one, the last thing I had is at the very end of this movie... Oh God, we both There's, we both thought this. As they're getting back and they're dropping off the hero boy, uh, the hero girl runs up to him and they're like saying goodbye to each other, and they have this awkward moment where they stare at each other, and we're like, we both are like, are they gonna kiss? Please don't <laughs> kiss. Ugh. And they just she hugs him, yeah, kinda, and then she he hugs him and then they shake hands, yeah, and then he leaves. But it felt so weird. It felt so, well, we both had the same reaction to it. Yeah, we, were we were like, like oh no, oh, no, uh, please don't kiss. I don't like that. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't, but it sure felt like it. And it was enough that we, yeah, we both like, we like physically recoiled <laughs> yeah. in the moment. Like, no, no. Oh, okay. Woof. Thank goodness. I don't like that at all. <laughs> <sighs> no, thank you. Yeah. I, uh. anyways, let's go. Final verdict. <laughs> now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. All right. Uh, I don't know if it's too late to say this. No shade to anyone who likes this movie. I just thought it was really boring and kind of messy. I think my parents really liked this movie. I think. I could be wrong. I think they enjoyed this movie. I think there's people out there that could like it. I think. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'll let you continue. But I, yeah, I, yeah, no shade if you like it. It's just yeah. oh, it wasn't didn't work for me. <laughs> it it seemed to me like the script writers weren't really sure how to expand on the source material, and we ended up with like a Franken story made of hodgepodge together action beats and mixed messages and Christmas elements. The book is simple, but it's an enduring classic. I'm gonna give it to the book this time. I, yeah, that does, that makes perfect sense to me. And and so this movie does have pretty middling reviews on most services. Yeah. It's got like a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 6 on IMDb. So it's not like 
you know, Muppet Christmas Carol's at like eights and or whatever, right. and a Christmas Story's up in the eights. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, some of the like Christmas classic movies that people really uh, like Christmas Vacation and mm-hmm. those all have much better, much better reviewed. I don't think this there are I think there are a considerable amount of people that do like the movie. At least it seems like it because it gets yeah. played a fair amount. Um, but I don't it's definitely not like comparable to those other movies in, yeah. in, in its universal like enjoyment yeah there's, there's not a universal appeal no thing going on here and and i i guess it's possible that this could appeal to people if you saw it as a kid that, that's my thought yeah it could be one of those movies that works still for you like yeah, nostalgically like you, that you remember fondly yeah yeah because i think i would have enjoyed it more if i saw it when i was seven or eight like because, you know, especially if I saw it, if I saw it in a 3D IMAX and yeah. like that, I that might have been a very lasting impression on me of like, wow, that was crazy and cool. And like, a you know, like going to a theme park or something. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas watching it now, it's it, again, I hadn't seen it uh, until we watched it this time. And so, yeah, I, I think that, that could definitely play into it some if people do like it, that it's potentially some of that may be trading on nostalgia and that sort of thing. But also, it's, you know, people like different things, but boy yeah it just did not work for me in like any capacity (laughs) like in any capacity yeah not a not at any level no no i'm trying to think of a positive thing i did like i i I did like i said i there were some visual moments early that i did enjoy Mm -hmm. like with when the polar express shows up and that sort of thing the music was good but it's just the music from elf um (laughs) so but the music was good uh great great score and uh that's about it (laughs) that's really all i all i have uh katie what's next next week we are taking a holiday yep taking a week off so there will not be an episode out next week and then after that we will be kicking off 2021 thank god with a patron request Mm -hmm. for the phantom toll booth what is that it Do is you know? <laughs> it is a children's book from the 60s that was made into a an, an animated slash live action oh, like, movie like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in style? the 70s I believe so yes I've never or actually no, uh, bed knobs and broomsticks I've never actually read or I seen it yeah I have heard <laughs> or Pete's dragon sorry I have heard that. <laughs> is it bad no i that's not what i've heard oh. i'm thinking of a way to say this i have heard that you may want to be affected in some way oh. to watch it it's a movie that benefits from chemical alterations that's what i have heard yes that makes sense just from the sound of it the phantom told i don't even yeah. know what that could possibly I can see the cover in my head. I never read it when okay. I was a kid, but there I can see it's like a blue cover and there's like a dog, I think. <laughs> Is there a toll booth? Maybe. Is it a ghost? <laughs> Maybe. I'm I don't so know. So intrigued by the title. I will say that. The, the title's really got my mind spinning on what this could possibly be. <laughs> so I meant Cuz it sounds to me like a Nancy Drew book. Yeah, it does. Nancy it like Drew a, and the Phantom Toll Yeah, booth. yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a, a a a young adult or a kid's book a mystery, yeah. like mystery book. Yeah, like the Hardy Boys and the Phantom Toll Booth or something. Yeah. Yeah, but I I think it's a, a like a fantasy 
type of a thing. Interesting. Well, all right. That'll be our next episode in three weeks' time. <laughs> and then you'll, we'll all find out yep. what the Phantom Tollbooth is. In two weeks' time, we'll have a prequel, which will probably add a little bit more information as to what it yeah. is uh, as we do our research for that. Uh, and until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, everybody else, have a wonderful Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, because we won't be talking to you until after the New Year, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So have a safe... Uh, and healthy and happy Christmas, New Year, whatever holiday you celebrate during this time. Uh, and we'll see you in 2021. Keep watching. No. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome. I forgot who goes first. 